When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a second in a row, Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast for this week. I am Ashley Bastock, joined by Mary Kay Cabot Dan Lobby. If you missed our episode yesterday, he's on vacation this week, well-deserved, so I am filling in again. And Mary Kay, I wanted to kind of start off with a question that I actually left on the table from yesterday, and I know you got a headline out of it today, so we'll have a chance to expand on it in a little bit of the conversation. So this question comes from Mike Parker in Chester, Maryland, who says, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns will have the defensive skill set and scheme to contain Lamar Jackson and other mobile quarterbacks? You know, I really think they will, in part because they do have good speed on the outsides with Oboe on one side, Miles Garrett on another side. And then we also know that Zadarius Smith will sometimes be on the outside as well. These guys are really fast, explosive. They can set the edge. Uh, and they have what it takes to try to contain a Lamar Jackson. It's never easy, uh, but they do have the horses up front to do it. And then you move back a level uh, to the linebackers. And of course, a number of their linebackers are rangy and shifty. You've got Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who was drafted in part uh, to handle a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. So they're definitely set up to do it. And then, of course, it does take a good scheme to be able to actually pull it off. And I think that, you know, Jim Schwartz has enough of experience to to be able to scheme it up, to draw it up right, to get these guys stopping Lamar and his wild and crazy ways. And some of them they won't know about yet because Todd Munkin is going to be in charge now as the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, former Browns offensive coordinator. And things are going to be different. There's a new sheriff in town. So we're not even 100% certain how much Lamar is going to be taking off and running, uh, how much he's going to do those off-schedule plays. But when he does or when they face anybody else that's like that, I think they have what it takes. I do too. And my first kind of thought, again, with the caveat that Todd Munkin is now in charge in Baltimore instead of Greg Roman, who had been there forever. Um, it's like the last two years, at least that I've been covering this team, it feels like in a lot of ways, we've seen like almost like the best of this defense going against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And maybe it wasn't perfect, but you know, I think about in 2021, when they go to Baltimore, they find a way to create four takeaways against him. He, you know, threw four interceptions, which was kind of crazy, even though the Browns lost that game. And again, like you mentioned, JOK, um, I think Sione Takitaki is another one with given his kind of sideline to sideline speed we saw develop last year. Um, I think that's a good matchup for him, especially like it's interesting to talk about the linebackers like that because we know their role is going to be different in this defense. But I just think the personnel they have, like this has been kind of, you know, a slow building thing where they they are kind of built almost to contend with the Ravens. And I think that was very intentional when they were putting together this defense. Yeah, I think so, too. One of the things I'm going to be very interested to see is, you know, Jim Schwartz, he has so much experience. He's got head coaching experience. He's got 14 years experience as a coordinator. What he doesn't have is 
coordinating experience over the past couple of years. He's been a senior consultant in Tennessee the last two years, and the game has evolved and changed even since uh, the last time that he was a defensive coordinator in Philadelphia in 2020. So it will be very interesting to see how he pivots and adjusts to what some of these offenses will be throwing at them. All right, so we had another defensive question that I wanted to get to before we kind of transition to the offense. You guys wanted to know um, a lot about the offense for Mary Kay today, but W. Diamond from Tampa wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, of Perion Winfrey or Tommy Togiai, who do you think has the best chance of making the 53-man roster? Well, right now, I'm going to say that it's going to be the player that can be the most reliable and the most available. And what I mean by that is if Perion Winfrey cannot demonstrate that he's ready to handle the demands of the NFL and be the mature player that the Browns need him to be, it's not going to be him. He's kind of skating on thin ice right now. He doesn't have a whole lot of margin for error, and he has to just mind his P's and Q's. So for that reason, I might give Tommy Togia a slight edge right now uh, because the bar is set very, very high for Perion in terms of his behavior. Uh, and it, you know, it just might not be easy. It's going to be a very challenging summer. They're going to be spending eight days down at the Greenbrier. Uh, they're going to be coming home for camp for a while after that. And then they're going to be heading up to Philadelphia. So there's a lot of moving parts. You've got to be on time. You've got to be where you're supposed to be at the right times. And I think there's a lot of margin for error. So right now, I'm going to say of those two, uh, just for that reason, that Tommy probably has a slight edge. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with that in terms of the behavioral stuff with Perion, right? Because we haven't really seen any evidence of that growth. I know they talked about wanting from him last year, but I guess like the one part of me that wonders is like, okay, if they were going to part ways with him, would they have done it already? Um, so I guess that's like the one thing I have a question about personally, but, you know, I'm with you, the way things stand right now, the way things have headed, it's like until Perion kind of proves that maturity, I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure that it's there to the point that the Browns would like it to be. You know, they obviously see something in him and they obviously like something in him because if they didn't, they wouldn't have stuck with him through thick and thin and they have. So I do think that, um, you know, they must believe that he's got some innate ability to really excel inside, or they would not be putting up with what they have so far. All right, let's switch gears over to the offensive side of the ball. I thought this was kind of a unique question from Jeff Sapesi from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Um, he wrote in kind of asking about the teams of the, the mid to late 80s, um, where he mentioned that Brian Brennan was often the kind of receiver who would make a key catch for the Browns at a clutch moment, that he wasn't a Hall of Famer or a pro bowler, you know, alongside guys like Ozzie Newsom, Webster Slaughter, Reggie Langhorn. Um, but he had these key moments. So Brian, uh, Jeff wants to know if there is like, if we think there could be a comparable player on this roster who might not be a pro bowler, but has the potential to make those kind of key plays in this offense. Well, I think in some ways that's how they view sort of a David Bell. You know, I think that uh, that they hope that David Bell can evolve into that type of player who uh, he's just completely reliable. Uh, he's there for you in the slot and he can do exactly what you need him to do. And when you call upon him, he catches the ball for you. So I think that, you know, that might be a little bit of a comp where, uh, you know, it's someone that can uh, just go out there and, and get that job done whenever you need him to. And, you know, 
I think that, that David has an opportunity to go out there and take that next step up uh, into his second season this year and maybe do some things that, that he didn't get to do last year when he didn't get the ball that much. Yeah, I still like David Bell. I mean, I think that's that's a good one for this. The other guy I was thinking about, Marquise Goodwin, maybe, who's who's new to the roster, but he provides something very specific. And again, he's not a guy who's been like a pro bowler his entire career or anything. He has a very specific, I think, skill set that this team could use. And given that lateral speed, um, I think you're kind of made for big catches like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mar- Marquise plays a role, as do all of the receivers, on this team, each one of them, you could stand them up in the front of the room and you can you can pinpoint exactly what their job is and what they do. And we know that Marquise is the vertical stretch guy. We know that Amari is the route runner who can get separation and catch that football for you. We know that Donovan Peoples-Jones is the guy that can go up and make that contested catch. Uh, you know, you just go one by one. Cedric Tillman is your big bodied guy. So each one of these guys you know, has something that they do really well. And it should all fit together really well this year. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is, I've, I've called him sort of your poor man's Odell Beckham Jr. So we'll see how that goes. All right. We have another offensive question here. This is actually a follow-up to something that we discussed yesterday um, from Ken in Florida, who says, Hey, Mary Kay, you mentioned yesterday that offensive stats could go up in 2023 because we could have the ball more. I read we were number two last year at 31 minutes per game. Where do you see it going up from there and why could they go up? Well, I, I just think that there will be more opportunities to, to possess the ball, to pass the ball, uh, to get the ball back. I mean, the defense almost never gave the ball back to the offense. I mean, they never got those takeaways. Uh, they never set the offense up in favorable field position, uh, gave them that short field that you need. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, between Nick Chubb and between uh, amongst some of the other things that Deshaun has this year, I just think that there's going to be more offensive plays, more moving the ball, more opportunity to get those yards, especially those passing yards and those passing touchdowns. Yeah, the takeaways were the number one thing for me. They just so struggled with that last year that it's like if you can get a handful more of those, it goes a long way, I think, to helping your time of possession. And I mean, also, it's just a matter of Deshaun Watson is going to be out there for a full year. So I think just about all your passing stats are going to to increase and all that sort of stuff too. Oh, absolutely. And when you look at some of the numbers, uh, the thing that we know about Deshaun is that he led the NFL with 4823, I think it is, passing yards in 2020. Uh, it was a big, big number. If you're throwing that many yards, you, you're going to have some uh, dogs out there eating. Your receivers are going to be getting a thousand yards. You're, you can have potentially three guys with a thousand yards and maybe some others spread around a little bit more, but you could potentially have three 1000 yard receivers. And I think that'll be good for everybody. Uh, but I think Nick Chubb's still going to get his carries. I just think there will be more offense to go around. All right, one more offensive question and kind of one of our favorite topics here at the Origin Brown Talk podcast um, brought to us by Philip Knopp in Nashville, Tennessee. He says, hey, Mary Kay, what do you think Kevin Stefanski believes he can bring to play calling versus what Alex Van Pelt could potentially bring? Now, we've talked about this a lot, so I have a feeling I know where you're going to go and we might be on the same page with this, but 
I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this question from Phil. Well, you know, I've said this so many times before, but I'm going to keep saying it. And that is we've never seen Kevin Stefanski have an opportunity to call plays for an elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson for a full season. You have to throw out several of those games from last year, uh, those final six games for Deshaun Watson. Uh, You know, you had the Houston game, which just gets chucked right out the window. Then you had, you know, the, the ice bowl in Cleveland where you can't really grade him on that very much. Although he did some nice things in that game. Uh, You know, it just wasn't a huge body of work and guys, you know, were so used to Jacoby Brissett. It really took them a while to make that adjustment to that style of quarterback. But I do think that, uh, that Kevin Stefanski will do a fine job calling plays for Deshaun Watson. And I think that the thing to remember about Kevin Stefanski is that, you know, when you look at some of the quarterbacks that he has worked with over the years, like Case Keenum, he got a heck of a season out of Case Keenum in Minnesota. He got one heck of a season out of Baker Mayfield uh, here in 2020, 11 and five playoff berth. And then also uh, he got the best out of Jacoby Brissett last year. So there is evidence that, that he can maximize the ability of the quarterbacks that he coaches. And I expect that that will be the same with Deshaun Watson. I think he's got it in him. I think he's studying it. I think he's drawing on on different experiences that he's had throughout his career. And I think he will be just fine. Yeah, I knew we were going to kind of probably go the Deshaun Watson route and having him for a full year. And I mean, for me, it kind of, I know Dan's usually the one that brings this up or Doug, but it's like they you brought in Kevin Stefanski because of like his his offensive mind and him calling plays. Like it just still doesn't make sense for him to give that up to me. And again, I think it really doesn't make sense when he doesn't have Deshaun Watson for a full year. So I think ultimately it's like that's just kind of where we are right now. There's really no need in my mind to hand it over to AVP, especially when he hasn't doesn't have much play calling experience. Right. I mean, he's only got a year of play calling experience of his own uh, with the Bills, and he did a nice job of it. But if you fancy yourself as someone who can take a team to Super Bowls and win them, why would you give that up on the brink of being able to get there? Why would you give that up when you finally have an elite quarterback to call the plays for? Now is not the time. Let's see what he's got. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We have a couple of questions that didn't fit into either offense or defense. So when we come back, Mary Kay and I will get to those shortly. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition. I'm Ashley Bastock here with Mary Kay Cabot. We've talked about the defense. We've talked about the offense. Um, so now we're going to hit on some um, funner questions, more fun questions that we got, I guess. Um, first one comes from Anthony in Columbus. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. I don't think we've ever gotten a question like this before. If you could interview, hey, Mary Kay, if you could interview one famous sports figure, alive or dead, who do you think it would be and why? Oh, boy. Uh, I know, it's I, a lot. Yeah, I, I have not given this any thought yet. Um, so I'd have to think about it for one quick second. So just let me have a minute. I do have one that we could talk about potentially. Okay, you go ahead first yeah. and, and I'll be thinking. I don't know why. And like, I'm honestly not even, I don't know the most about tennis or anything, but I would love to interview Serena Williams. Like she's just... Oh, yeah. So interesting. I think she's one of the greatest athletes that, you know, we've ever gotten to see in our lifetimes. And like, you know, obviously the goat of tennis and everything she's accomplished 
on the tennis court, off the tennis court. You know, she does all the fashion stuff too. Um, I just really think she's led a, a fascinating life. She's friends with Beyonce. Like, I just, I'm fa- I've always been fascinated by her, even though I do not claim to be the most knowledgeable person about tennis. I just think that's like the kind of one-on-one interview, if you ever got that, like it's so rare, like Oprah's like the only kind of person getting that interview, you know, but I think Serena, like for me, for some reason, would just be first name that came to mind. My, I'm going to go with my gut here. Yeah, no, that's fabulous. That would be very, very exciting. And you're right about that. It would be so wide ranging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the ones that does come to my mind, because I think he's such a fascinating character and not everybody likes him. Uh, but one of the ones that would come to my mind would be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. and, you know, anybody that's going to take, uh, you know, a, a vow of silence and go into darkness and silence for whatever it was, three days or something like that. I don't yeah. know how I don't know how or why anybody could do that. But I mean, he's just a different cat. Right. He so marches, Right. He marches to his own drummer. You know, he's dated Shailene Woodley. You know, he's he's got uh, some celeb to him. He's been around for so long. You know, he just does his own thing. He doesn't care really what anybody thinks about him. And uh, and I would love, you know, that would be really cool to try to get him to speak his mind and, um, you know, just talk to him about some of these off the wall sorts of things that he does. Yeah. And to follow up on our podcast from yesterday, I would love to ask him about being a Taylor Swift fan after all of those videos of him went viral at the Eras tour. And I will say, I talked about this on 92.3 The Fan a couple weeks ago with our friend Jonathan Peterlin when those videos first came out um, and I was like, good for Aaron Rodgers because like, he's not singing the singles. Like he's singing the deep cuts. He's singing the B side tracks. Like I, I want to ask him about that too. I think it'd be a pretty fun interview. And think about Pat, Ma- Pat McAfee gets to do that like once a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. And yeah, there's, there's a lot to him and he's not your average run of the mill quarterback who mm-hmm. a lot of them have similar stories uh, you know, a lot of them have similar mindsets. He's different. He's just completely different. And I would love to dig into that mind. All right. We got one more good question here from Anise Barner in Toledo, Ohio. She wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, is it easier covering the team when they are losing games or winning games? And I know you and I both, I think, agree on this. So I'm excited to talk about this aspect of our jobs. <laughs> it's much easier to cover the team when they're winning games because Everyone's happier. Everyone's willing to talk. Everyone has a story to tell. And they like the media when they're winning. When when they're losing, they don't want to see the media. They don't want to see them after games. They don't want to see us in the locker room during the week. They know what we're going to ask. Um, so it's much easier to cover the team when they are winning games. Now, I will say, however, throughout all the years that I've covered this team when they weren't winning games – there was a lot of, and this it's not like this anymore, but there was so much dysfunction over the years that there was always something to write about. So it wasn't hard to come up with things. I mean, you, you know, you had Johnny Manziel floating on a swan. I mean, there were, you know, there were so many different things going on. Um, so, you know, there was always a headline uh, that you could come up with, but it is much easier to deal with players when they're winning. I so agree. And especially in my job, like, especially during the season, I'm trying to kind of find the off the beaten path, like, short feature story that I can crank out on any given day. It's a lot harder to do that um, when guys, you know, when, when you're losing and it's a lot harder to tell those stories because it's like, they still matter to some extent, right. But they don't matter as much. Like I think about the story I did last year on, I wrote it in training camp or right after training camp about them 
playing two square in the locker room. And that's like a fun story when the season hasn't really started yet and you're one and oh. It's not such a fun story when you like two and two. You know what I mean? Like it's like the losses make that kind of stuff less relevant to me as a reporter. And it, it like kind of almost takes away the ability to give that inside look into what they're doing any given day and how they're kind of relaxing. Yeah. And you know, there are times when we, you might have some, I have some, you know, feature stories in the bank that just never got written because either the player himself isn't playing all that well, or the team isn't playing all that well. And the climate isn't right uh, to tell some kind of a a happy story about something. And so it's it's nice to have them winning so that people want to hear the good news. They want to know more about these players. And so hopefully this season, uh, they will keep that winning going deep into the season, maybe even deep into the playoffs. And we will have all kinds of great stories to tell. All right. We have made it through another Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. So um, after you listen to this, head over to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. That's how you can become a football insider. Submit your question to Mary Kay. You'll get texts from us every single day. Um, you'll get a newsletter from us in your inbox every single morning. Um, also, be sure to check out our YouTube page as well. We're starting to do shorts and all kinds of different things. Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com at over at YouTube. Um, so Mary Kay, we'll be back tomorrow once again without Dan, but I will talk to you then. Sounds great.